If you are looking for even more help and guidance on your breakup, I have a few different options for you to take your healing to the next level. I have four different online courses depending on what stage of the breakup that you're in from beginning all the way into moving on after heartbreak, or you can bundle all of my courses together and use the code podcast to get $25 off my course bundle. I also have my 30 day no contact challenge to help hold you accountable in going no contact with your ex. And we have our free Facebook group, Healing Hearts Club, where you can connect with other people going through breakups all over the world. To learn more about any of these resources, head to the show notes where you can learn more about my courses, take the quiz to figure out which course is best for you, or join the Facebook group. And don't forget to use the code PODCAST to get $25 off my course bundle. Welcome to the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast with your host, Breakup Bestie, aka me, Kendra. Breakups are hard, but you don't have to do it alone. Each week, I will be taking you through a different topic as it relates to breaking up, healing from heartbreak, growing in your single life, dating, and getting back into happier and healthier relationships. The goal of this show is to provide support, hope, tips, and to remind you that above all, this too shall pass. Welcome back to another listener story episode of the podcast. And today I'm interviewing Ashley, who Ashley actually has her own podcast called Let's Get Real. She also is a YouTuber and she talks about her relationship and how Honestly, we're talking a lot about toxic relationships today, how the relationship with her ex was so incredible with so much chemistry. They were in similar workspaces and just how it went from this amazing whirlwind to as what happens in toxic relationships, a fall from grace. And one thing that she points out that I think was so poignant, and I hope if you're in this situation, you listen to this, but she talks about how they had their first breakup, you know, pretty early on in the relationship. And then it was a series of we're together, we're not together, we're together, we're not together. And she ends up saying like the reason we ultimately decided to break up is the same reason we broke up in the beginning. And I think that's just so telling for any of you who, you know, are stuck in that cycle, how things really don't change until they change. So she talks about how they, you know, kind of had to come to this mutual decision that they weren't good for each other and how she was able to, you know, with a lot of strength, walk away, how she was able to set boundaries and and focus on on herself and how she rebuilt her confidence because her ex said a lot of really, really hurtful things to her in the relationship. So how she was able to rewire that conversation that she would have with herself where she used to be so down on herself and really believed all of the things that her ex said. She also, you know, talks about this process of 
learning from the relationship and what she can improve on moving forward, but also maintaining that sense of of self-kindness and self-love. So if you're someone that has ever experienced any kind of toxic relationship or a relationship that has been a lot of back and forth, this will definitely be a great episode for you. But if you're someone that is struggling with confidence after your breakup, this will also be a great episode for you. So now I will pass it off to Ashley. Hi, Ashley. Welcome to the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast. So honored to have you on to chat a little bit about your breakup experience. Mm -hmm. I'm so excited right now. Like I'm even still tripping out because I've been listening to you for a couple months now. So I'm very, very excited to be here and share my story. Yeah. And we were talking a little bit before we started, but you, you know, just, well, that's the goal of all these episodes to share different stories, but I'm especially excited to talk to you about your story. So if you could start off by just, you know, introducing yourself and just tell us like a little bit about you as a person. Yeah, for sure. So my name's Ashley. I'm 26. I live in Toronto and I was in a relationship for about three years and it was a really passionate, fun relationship, also really toxic, which I'm sure we'll get into. Before that, I didn't really date that much. I was single for a long time. I casually dated, but I've always been like pretty independent. I'm an Aquarius, if anybody cares. And I do YouTube podcasting and I wrote a book and I'm just like a creative person in general. That's awesome. Well, I had an astrologer on recently, so I feel like I've gotten so much more into into signs and had my birth Mm -hmm. chart read and all that stuff. So I'm sure there are a lot of people that are very interested in in that stuff. So you talked a little bit about the relationship, but just walk me through kind of those like a cliff notes version of those three years like how did it start what was kind of like the arc of it I know a lot of toxic relationships start off amazing and then Mm kind of go down from there so if you could kind of describe the arc of the relationship for sure so pretty much we were friends for a few years probably since like 2015 or so and then very distant friends I had a like a little situationship going on he had a girlfriend never anything more and then eventually we reconnected and got super close as friends and we ended up dating it started happening kind of fast we're like one second we're friends the next second we're more than friends and it was so new to me because I was so used to like casual dating that I hadn't experienced like love or anything really like having to communicate having to run things by your partner things like that so it was hard in the beginning because he was very experienced in relationships and I wasn't so I didn't really know how to navigate arguments and things like that. And it was, it was tough. But in the three years we spent, I mean, it was like full of passion and love. And we we're both creative people. But we also had a lot of like ups and downs. Like it was on and off for the three years. Like it was like we're breaking up. I'm going through heartbreak. And then we come back together. And then it would just happen all over again. And it was exhausting. And it was tiring. And I was just... I realized like I was sad a lot more than I was happy, but I was like tricking myself. And yeah, so then that eventually led to our, I call it the finale, which was the real breakup, the one that I know is it. And I mean, I guess I'll share the story. We'll get to that. But that was a few months ago. That was very recent. That was actually in April, April 2nd. (laughs) I know the date. Yes. And And we all know our breakup date. Oh, yeah, we all know it. And um, that ended up being the reason why we broke up in the end was the same reason why we broke up the first time in year one. And it taught me a lot. (laughs) 
I want to pause on what you just said Mm -hmm. because I think that's incredibly insightful. You broke up for the same reason after three years, for the same reason that you broke up in year one. Yeah, I realized that I just gave that so much time and energy when I I didn't have to. I really didn't have to and I shouldn't have, but love will make you (laughs) do some things. Yeah, I know. I think once you're in that cycle of the breaking up and getting back together, it becomes mm-hmm. very addictive because yeah, you're you like, comfy cha- with it. yeah. And you're chasing the high because like when you're breaking up and getting back together, the getting back together is like, it's amazing. So fun. It's so, it's fun. so fun. It's so fun. Yeah. You get like, and it's, it's just this thing that it's like a drug that you start. Oh my God. It's because it feels new all over again. It's like a mini honeymoon phase all over again. And then especially if you're hooking up with them, it feels very exciting and familiar. And it's just so easy to just slip back into old habits. And it's, it, oh my God, it's draining though. It's, it's definitely not, I don't recommend it. But it's fun. No. <laughs> yeah. It's incredibly <laughs> stressful. And yeah. I think it's like a good indicator too of, you know, I think the older I get, like the more I realize that the the super crazy passionate love can just it's a lot easier to turn and become like toxic and exhausting yeah. and and all of those things. And so what was the reason that you guys kept breaking up? So it's interesting. There's so many reasons that I see now that I didn't see in the relationship now that I've like fallen out of love with him, to be honest. But the reason why at the time I thought we were breaking up was because there was a lot of pressure on me to be the person that he wanted me to be, which was a more compassionate, selfless, generous person. So I had it in my head that I was like evil, toxic, selfish, and just like the worst person ever for him. So I constantly felt like I had to just try my best to be the best version of myself for him, which is where I messed up because I wasn't doing it for the right reasons. And it was just like a lot of pressure that he was putting on me that I don't even know if he knew he was doing that. Where like, we would argue and things would be good. And then like, I would do something that would show like, I haven't changed in his words. And um, he would make me feel really bad about it, really, really bad about it. And it was affecting my self-esteem and eventually like the big blowout argument which was over something so small like something so dumb it literally started with us arguing over like a youtube video thumbnail and it just escalated like into like something completely different and it all kind of came down to like i'm not changing in the ways that he wants me to i'm not the person he wants and like it was just really exhausting just constantly feeling like i was doing so much work on myself for him and then being like torn apart into thinking that I was not enough. And it came down to just him, him and I realizing like we, we had the the blowout fight. Then we had about a week of space where we just needed to think. And like in that week, I had already kind of like mourned the relationship. I was ready to break up with him. And in that time he was ready to break up with me. We met up and it was literally like a 10 minute breakup because we both kind of knew what it was. And it was sad. It was really sad because we both loved each other and like love just wasn't enough. And we just, had to sit there and then tell each other like, you know, like this, this is sad, but we got to do what we got to do. Like it's over. It feels like a lifetime ago. (laughs) Well, I think too, you know, it was interesting when you were talking about in the beginning about how you were saying like he was a lot more experienced in relationships than you were. Mm -hmm. 
it reminds me a lot of the toxic relationship that I was in because it was the same thing. Like it was my first real relationship. He was a lot more experienced in relationships. And because of that, it like created plus like underlying things that I like underlying beliefs and feelings that I had about mm-hmm. myself. Like I didn't feel super strong in who I yeah. was, but it almost created this like power dynamic where exactly. Yeah. Where it was mm-hmm. like, he was always right. Because if like, I even remember this one was like, the one I was in was like very toxic where like, I was very much like isolated from friends and family. But I remember like, I was telling him how I was talking to my cousin about the relationship and how we were fighting. And he was like, relationships are sacred. Like you don't talk to other people about relationships. And I was like, doesn't seem right. But I'm also like, I don't know. Yeah, you feel like they know best because they've gone through it. So you kind of trust everything they say is like how it's supposed to be done. But sometimes it's just like manipulation. And that's what I learned after. So now my narrative of the breakup has completely changed where I'm like, wait a minute, maybe you didn't always have my best interests at heart. Maybe you didn't realize that. But I definitely look back and I'm like, I think because there was also a lot of, I wouldn't say like bullying, but just like, just like a lot of mean things. He said a lot of mean things about me to me, sorry. And I started to believe them because I thought he just knew best. And like, this is just how it's supposed to be. And like, you end up in like a three-year loop where you just trust them so much and you believe anything they tell you. So if he tells me you're insecure, you're selfish, you're this, you're horrible. I'm like, okay, I guess I guess I am. And then it becomes Um, this like, I want to prove myself. Yeah. To the person. And I think too, like partners like that, I think tend to be like gravitate towards, I think you and I are very similar in like, you know, it's like, I like approval. I like being challenged. Mm-hmm. Like I like, like if someone tells me I can't do something or I'm not good at something, like I'll start putting everything yeah. into making. And it sounds like you did the same. Like you poured a lot yeah. into working on yourself and and all of those things. So it's just unfortunate. Like it's like the unfortunate thing of how like anxious and avoidant Mm -hmm. attachment people tend to attract to each other. Like sometimes there's these toxic dynamics that tend to unfortunately like be attracted to one another. So yeah. What was the like turning point for you? Maybe did it happen like during that week? Like what was the thing that told you I'm actually done. And did you think you were actually done? So in that week, I was doing like a lot of self-reflection. I got off social media. I got off everything I deactivated. And I was journaling a lot. That's like, I'm a very spiritual person. So I have a lot of spiritual routines and practices. So what I did is I read my journal for the past couple months to see what was happening in my brain. And I realized that my entire journal was me being sad, stressed, and anxious over the relationship. And I would write down the things he'd say to me, which were just like so mean. And I would sit there and I would cry because I'm like, oh my God, like, Ashley, why are you allowing someone to speak to you like this and tell you that you're like, why do you believe all this? And I started to step aside from myself and be like, wait a minute, if I were to tell my mom all the things that are in this journal or my close friend, they'd be like, what's wrong with you? What are you doing? And then I realized like, this is not healthy. I'm going to hate myself in five months if I stay with this person. And I finally decided like, I think on day three of like that week of space that I'm like, I'm pretty sure I have to break up with him. And then I started mourning the relationship as if it was already over. And um, 
it was sad. Like I did a lot of healing in that week before we broke up, which is so weird because it's like I just knew what was happening, even though I didn't make the decision yet. But it was definitely like those journal entries that did it for me. That's so powerful. And I think that's such a beautiful thing about journaling is it's like data about ourselves that we like, you know, and it's, and it's interesting because it's like, you wrote those things, like you remember those things, but it's like reading Mm. what you wrote about it can be, can be such a powerful. And honestly, sometimes I think what happens is we just need to create the tiniest bit of space from the situation to realize yes. that it's no longer serving us. And, you know, for me, it was literally just saying it out loud to someone else and just like hearing the words that come too. out of my mouth was like the thing that did it for me. And like reading a journal about it, or even, you know, when I'm working with women who are struggling with whether or not to leave, I'm like, let's just pretend for a moment that it's your friend or a family member that's going through the relationship. Like, what are you telling them? Like, are you telling them to stay? So I think like getting that tiny bit of distance. And I think, you know, that week that you guys kind of took, I think is really powerful because if you had it, who knows, like you could have, you know, you guys could have gone right back into that cycle. Yeah. Oh, I thank God for that week because I'm just like, if I hadn't given myself that time, I don't know where I'd be right now. I don't know if we would have had like an even worse fight that would have made things even like 10 times more terrible, like a hard breakup, or we could have just ended it back together in two days. Like, I don't know, because that cycle was way too easy to fall back into and it really could have happened. And what you were saying too reminds me, I remember going to a mentor of mine and like really struggling in a relationship. And I remember her saying, like, I think in my head, I knew that it wasn't a good relationship, but I I didn't have like the wherewithal to walk away or do anything Mm -hmm. about it. And I remember her saying, and you alluded to it, but she said, once you get to a place where 51% of the time you're not happy, like that's when you're going to make a change. But if you're still like if 51% of the time, like the passion's good, the excitement's good, then we're not going to walk away. But once we like cross over that threshold of, oh, wow, the majority of the time I'm really upset in this relationship. Yeah. That's sometimes what we need to, to be able to walk away. Exactly. And I realized that I was, waking up and crying and I didn't know why like we wouldn't even be fighting I would go to sleep say good night love you blah 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 I wake up and I would just cry in the mornings and I just thought like oh I'm depressed or oh this like I've, I've struggled with mental health a bit so I just never really knew what it was and I'd be sad so much and I just didn't know it was like a black cloud was hanging over my head because I was in complete denial that I was just not happy in the relationship for a while and we had such a good moment that I felt like it was just right for me but it wasn't and like I don't know if you're familiar with the concept of karmic partners like in spirituality I truly believe he was my karmic partner and we just had to be together to learn and teach each other lessons and then like separate and live our own lives yeah and I'm such a big believer in that too because I think you can take Mm -hmm. someone who's been through hell and back in a relationship and something good like always is going to come out of it and exactly I'm curious, like right after the breakup, what were your feelings like? Because I'm hearing that there was like some sense of relief, but I also think there was probably a lot of sadness too. Yeah, (laughs) I was a mess. I was a mess. I spent a month in bed. I was crying every 20 minutes or so. 
I was sad. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I ended up on sleeping medication that my mom gave me. She would have the pills for me because I could not sleep. I was having dreams about him that we were still together and thriving and I'd wake up and it felt like I went through the breakup all over again. I was a mess. I was crying like crazy. I watched like these two comedy shows to get me by, which was Shit's Creek and Superstore. They were just like half an hour comedy. You know what I mean? Because I couldn't sit and I was not on social media. Exactly. Yeah. You don't have to stay connected to the plot. So yeah, I wasn't on social media either, which was good for me. Very good for me. And um, I was just staring at the wall all day, every day. And three days after the breakup, we exchanged our belongings. That was hell. It was it was terrible because um, it was suddenly like I was interacting with a new person. He was cold. He was not the person I I, I didn't recognize him. I was like, I tried to hug him because I was so emotional and I tried to hug him. And he was just stone cold as if I was a stranger. And we gave each other our things and like he didn't want certain things back. And I was like, OK. And then it hurt so bad. I think that was the most painful day for me when I had to interact with him and exchange the belongings. It was it was painful. It was another side to him. It's weird to see someone you love, like become a stranger in 24 hours. Yeah. And I know a lot of people struggle with that. And I'm curious now that you have, you know, some like months under your belt. Do you feel like it would have been harder if he was like really lovey-dovey and nice towards you that day? Yeah, I think that I am grateful that he was an asshole (laughs) that day because if he wasn't, my last memory of him would be, you know, we're hugging, we're this, we're emotional. And like, I just didn't need that, even though that's what I just craved so badly at that time, even though I wanted to end it. I also didn't want to end it. Right. So like, I just wanted a hug. You know, but I think it was for the best because if he was really, you know, himself, it would have hurt. Like, I would have been thinking about it for the whole week or two, just like replaying it, those last moments, you know. And I'm I'm happy. And I, I actually wrote him a letter of the, about the relationship, just like a quick, like, one-page letter. And, like, it's just crazy because now I look back at that letter and, like, kind of wish I could take it back. But I also know that's what my heart felt, so I don't regret it. And it was like a very emotional letter. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. I'm sorry that love wasn't enough. Like very sappy, sappy stuff. And yeah, it was sad. I never got a response, which I didn't want. I told him in the letter not to respond, but it was just really hard. And then I found his a shirt of his and I just ended up mailing it to him because I'm like, I don't need to interact with him ever again. <laughs> I did the though. same thing. I wrote when I went through the breakup he was like packing up all his stuff and I wrote him a letter and I like stuck it in his bag. And it was mm-hmm. the same thing, like so sappy. I think I yeah. put like a part from the notebook in the letter oh and like, you know, and I never heard, you know, it's like I didn't hear anything back from it. Yeah. And that's what I tell people. I'm like, I'm not a, like I don't I'm not like a huge advocate of sending your ex letters. But like if you mm-hmm. have, like you said, it's it's what your heart needed to do at the yeah. time. So it's like there's no point in regretting anything like that. Mm -hmm. I think we like all have our own process. Exactly. When you're talking about like the immense sadness that you were going through, where was that? I mean, not to say that it wasn't completely valid to be sad, but like, where was the sadness coming from? Was it like missing him in that state, missing what you guys had, like being just sad that it turned out that way? Like, where was the sadness stemming from or like everywhere? 
So the sadness mostly came from like, oh my God, it was so weird because I think the sadness came from knowing that we weren't going to be friends and that he was just going to be like my first love because he was my first love, right? So I had this so much sadness around just knowing that like my first love is just going to be a person. And when I talk to my kids one day, like he's just going to be that guy that I dated when I was 24, 23, whatever. And um, that was like a big thing. But it was also just missing the best friend part of the relationship, having someone to do everything with, having a partner, cooking for someone, going on little trips with someone, like having your person is such a beautiful thing. And when you don't have that anymore, you just start thinking like that your people around you are not 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 good enough, but you're like, yeah, I could go to New York with this friend, but like it would have been great with my boyfriend, you know? And that was sad. And I just, I missed him. I missed our laughs. I missed the passion. I missed being in love. I missed everything. I just wanted it to work. Like I just wished so bad that it worked. And that was like the main sadness that was happening at that time. And then it turned into like anger and then back to sadness because I started like taking the blinders off and realizing who he was wasn't as great as I thought. And I got mad and then I got sad. I think right now I'm back to the like slight sadness where I'm like, wow, like, why were you so mean to me? Why did you hurt me so bad? Why did you say those things? Why did I allow that? You know? So now that is what I'm dealing with. Like, I don't really care about the relationship anymore. I don't miss the relationship at all. I don't want him back at all. But I'm very sad that he talked to me the way that he did and that I allowed it, that I didn't love myself enough to know like, hey, this isn't okay. It's sad. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What would you do if you had unlimited time and energy? As you're navigating your breakup, I know your energy can feel low and it can feel really difficult to complete everything you need to in a day. When you're emotionally exhausted, it's especially important to be really clear on what your priorities are and where your energy should be invested. Therapy has helped me in the past figuring out where I should be putting my energy, whether that's career, friendships, relationships, events, which in turn has helped lower my anxiety because I don't always have to feel stretched thin or behind. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash heartbreak today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash heartbreak. Are you looking for a guilt-free way to unwind? Between balancing your breakup, work, and just functioning in your day-to-day life, I know you are under a lot of stress. Breakups mess with your nervous system, cause obsessive thoughts, and make it so hard to just sit with yourself. This is why it's so important to have rituals that allow you to treat yourself in a healthy way. And this is why I love Recess Mood, a sparkling water infused with functional ingredients like stress-balancing adaptogens and mood-lifting magnesium. Life has been very full and stressful for me lately, and as someone who hasn't had alcohol in a 11 years, I need something that helps me relax and that can bring me a moment of peace. Lately, my favorite way to do that is sitting on the couch after I put my kids to bed and having either the strawberry rose or the lime recess mood. They not only make me feel good, but they also taste incredible too. So whether you're looking for a healthier alternative to alcohol or a way to make you feel more balanced, you deserve a healthier way to unwind. 
head to takearecess.com slash heartbreak and get 15% off Recess Mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. How did that switch happen? I think that's such an important switch is like, I think like what the stages of emotions that you're describing are what everyone should go through mm-hmm. because that, you know, it's like at, at first you're sad. Of course you miss them. I will tell you, no matter what the relationship looks like, like I don't care how toxic or whatever that is. Like you're going to miss a person that you spent years with. Yes. Bottom mm-hmm. line. I don't care what that looks like, but I would love to hear, do you feel like it was time? Was it certain things that you were doing that allowed you to kind of take him off that pedestal and be able to see him clearly? Yes, I think it was definitely time was a big factor. It was also just slowly falling out of love with him. I stopped like looking at him through that perspective that I had been for the three years. Like suddenly I was seeing him the way that my friends would have seen him or whoever if they knew him the way that I did, right? But also it was the journal. (laughs) I went back to my journal and I was reading some entries from earlier in the year and it was like about like me not loving myself and like all these things that I believed about myself. And like there was this exercise in my journal where I had to write all the things that I want to eliminate from my life and that I just don't want to be anymore. And when I looked at the list of things, I realized that none of them applied to me. It was just things that he told me that I was when he was putting me down. And it was really, really terrible things about myself. And I was reading it and I was like, I don't believe any of these wait a minute, this person, I trusted him and he told me that I was these things and he knew I would believe him. And once I saw that, I was like, whoa, this was messed up. And I got like, I just went through a whole roller coaster of emotions all over again. Like it reprocessed everything. And then I got mad. I got really mad. I was just like, oh my God, I was ready to go to a rage room and like smash things because they have that over here by me. You can smash cars, you can smash computers. So I was ready to go smash some stuff. And I was so mad. I was like, wow, what did I do to you to for you to talk to me this way? And I think a lot of the time it is that combination of time, mm-hmm. most importantly, time with distance. Yes. Distance is very important because if he were to have kept like coming into your life and like chiming in or dropping oh in God. or just, you know, kind of doing those kinds of things. I think you still would have gotten there. It just would have taken a little bit longer. Yeah, for sure. But like that time and then that distance and then just like not even like really intentional reflecting, but I think just like what you were doing of like kind of just keeping like an open mind to like whatever mm-hmm. was going to come up. Exactly. Yeah. Even just talking about it with your friends and telling them new things that you never told them while you were in the relationship. And then you see their reaction and you're like, oh, I guess that's not that's not okay, huh? And then they're like, no, why did you never tell me this? And I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. And it's so scary that like you had yourself in that place for a period of time. I think the distance is like what you said. It's crucial, like because every time we broke up before, we didn't really do no contact and we ended up right back where we started 
and it hurt like well before we would get back into reconnecting like there would be this weird period of we're seeing each other but we also don't owe each other anything so it hurts because you know like you feel like you're supposed to be a certain way but you're not because you're not together yet and then you end up in the same pattern and like that could have happened but the no contact for me was very important like very very important i couldn't have done it without no contact i think that anybody that is going through a breakup if they're in contact with their ex it's just a recipe for disaster it's not gonna work yeah and especially for someone that has like a history of breaking up and getting back together i think like that's the most important thing like that's the biggest group that should practice no contact mm-hmm. is just because like what you said, it's it's just so easy to fall back into this feels good. This feels nice. Did he ever try reaching out to you? Yes, in a weird way. It was so strange, like because we had a relationship where we did a lot of our work together and we're both creative people. So I was a little mini part of a project towards the end of our relationship about three weeks before we broke up. And I didn't really have a big part in it. Like, I don't need any type of credit, nothing. Like, I really didn't do anything. I was just supporting him as his girlfriend. And then he sends me an email, like, last month or something, maybe May, probably May. And it was, like, sending me an email about the feature he got and this and that. And, like, I'm just, like, this is I'm great. I'm happy for you, I guess. But I don't really, like, I don't need to see this. I don't need to know. You don't need to credit me. You don't owe me anything. So, like, we're not going to share this victory together. And I just, I didn't reply because I, I didn't feel the need to. Good for you. It was hard though. I won't lie. It was hard. You want to be like, oh my God, congrats. Wow. The magazine looks beautiful. This, this, this. But like, it wasn't my job to support him in that way anymore. And I don't think I needed to see that. It didn't help my healing. It threw me off. I bawled my eyes out right after. I was doing perfectly fine and hadn't cried in two weeks. And then I started bawling my eyes out and that was not a good feeling, but I just sometimes I feel like exes, they know your triggers, they know what's going to bother you. And like, I don't want to say he was malicious, but I'm sure he knew that I wouldn't take it in the best way. <laughs> I wasn't going to be like, oh, I'm happy, you know, like it's not like that anymore. So that was the only form of contact we had since the breakup. I actually saw him the other day when I was out in the streets <laughs> in his car but I didn't look in his car I just saw his license plate and he saw me I'm pretty sure and I was just like okay (laughs) yeah that's I mean that stuff is really hard and I think it I think sometimes we get like moments like that to remind us of that we're grateful that we don't hear from them more because that just like little interaction throws us off so much I mean even I remember like not even seeing their exact car but just seeing the kind of car they have oh my god right it's the worst. And he drives, <laughs> just like telling all his business, he drives a Jeep Wrangler. So they're everywhere in the summertime, everywhere, everywhere I turn, everywhere I park, you just see stupid Jeep wherever you go. And the first two months, I, I like couldn't leave the house because I'm like, I can't, I cannot see another Jeep or I'm going to have a mental breakdown. <laughs> like it was so hard, especially because it's like a summertime car. You have fun. You take the doors off. You go, cr- you know what I mean? It's a fun car. So like I would see people driving with no doors and I'm just like, oh, that used to be me last year. And I would just like get mad. Now I don't notice them. I don't notice the Jeeps. That's amazing. Oh. Isn't that? And that's what happened. Beautiful. It's like this car we used to obsess about or this person we used to obsess about just gets like it's and it they just get like lighter and lighter and lighter yeah like how much they weigh on you and I know there are a lot of people and I've been getting this question a lot is like 
how do you deal with the things that your ex said about you? Like, how have you been able to reconcile some of the really mean things that he said? And how have you been able to remind yourself that those, you know, those are not true and like kind of rebuild that self-esteem? In the beginning, I didn't. I just believed them all. And I was like, I need to work on this. I need to work on this. I need to, you know, and that looking back at that part of myself, I get really sad because I'm like, wow, like you were so broken, you were so hurt and you really believed someone that said these things. And then eventually when I started to fall out of love and I started to see it, I started talking about it more with my friends and just literally repeating myself if I had to three times in a row about like how I felt about what he said. And then they'd reassure me and tell me the truth and, you know, let me know like, okay, yeah, maybe you have selfish tendencies, but you're not a selfish person or maybe this or like, you're not this, you're not that. And they'd be honest with me. And I started to realize like how untrue it was. So I'm like I said, I'm pretty spiritual. So I would do these new moon and like full moon routines in which I would write down all the things he said about me and then I would burn them on the new moon or I would cross them out or I would just read them. And like, let's say he would say like, I'm illogical. I don't know how to, <laughs> he said some mean things. <laughs> like I would think about the mean things that he said and I would be like, okay, why are you illogical? And I wouldn't have an answer. I'm like, okay, so maybe it's not true. And I would have to like rewire my brain to like understanding myself. And I had to really work on my self-awareness so that I could pick apart what he said that was true and what he said that wasn't true. And I realized that 90% of it was not true. 10% of it was. Doesn't mean it had to be communicated the way it was. But I once I learned those, the 10%, I was able to work on them. I was able to heal those things. And that helped me rebuild my confidence, being able to be like, okay, like, yeah, maybe I am this, but I can overcome that and become stronger and like improve myself and my mental health, you know? And I think having friends like that to tell us the truth is so important because it's just really hard to argue with your own thoughts. It's really hard because you don't know like whose voice is which, which one's right. But having like an outside person that loves you and just being able to say, and I love that they said like, you can have selfish tendencies and not be a selfish Mm -hmm. person. Like I can have moments where you know, I do something dumb. Does that mean I'm a dumb person? Not at all. Exactly. And just being able to like separate those things. And I think too, what's really powerful is when you got to that place where you're like, okay, I have some things to work on. You weren't doing them to like get back with your ex. You were doing them for you. My past self before I would have been like, okay, once I'm not selfish anymore, I'm just using that because that was the main thing he called me. Once I'm not selfish anymore, like we can get back together. Like that was my mentality. Now it's like, okay, like I just need to work on it because it's affecting my friends and my family potentially. So, you know, I'll, I'll work on it. And yeah, that was hard. I also, I forgot to mention, I, I went into therapy as well. That really helped me. That really helped me. In Canada, it's, we can get some access to free therapy. So I actually have sessions every Friday and she helped me break down his personality a lot. And turns out I was dating someone with narcissistic flavors who was verbally abusive. And he might not believe that. And that's okay. It's my truth. He has his own truth. But therapy helped me so, so much. Like, it's just to get a fresh perspective that's non-biased and educated is is really, really helpful. Yeah. And I remember when I first had a therapist tell me that my ex was narcissistic. It just allowed, it was like, okay, Kendra, this was not in your head. 
Like yeah, you, you exactly. can trust yourself. You knew something was wrong. Something mm-hmm. was wrong. Here's someone who specializes in human behavior telling you that that was not okay. Yeah. And I think that allowed me to like, honestly, it weirdly rebuilt my trust in myself because I was like, okay, I knew something was wrong. And I, you know, I didn't have all the tools to deal with it properly at the time, but like I did know, and that's very reassuring. Exactly. And honestly, it was hard at first learning that. And like, who knows, maybe she's wrong. I don't know, but I do believe a lot of what she said. And it was hard because you're like, how did I not see this? But then it's also like what you said, I wasn't crazy. I did know I had these feelings. I just needed I kind of needed someone to validate them because you get really like lost in a relationship because no one sees your partner the way that you see them. Nobody sees your relationship the way you see it. Like everybody thought we were so happy and like great. And I thought that, too. But there is so much dark shit that was happening behind the scenes that like nobody saw. And to be able to open up about it and get another perspective was really it was really reassuring because I was like, okay, you know what? Like you were hurting. And like, I had a lot of flaws in the relationship. I also don't want to sit here and be like a victim. I was a victim in certain ways, but also like I was not the best partner. I think we both brought out the worst in each other. He brought out the worst in me in some ways. Like some of my traits were not, we just weren't compatible. Like we weren't compatible. And I think it came down to like, we were relying on love and chemistry and that's just not, it's not sustainable. It's not enough. And compatibility is so important. And because I couldn't be the woman he wanted me to be like, it just got really toxic. And I probably was toxic. I'm still trying to figure out where I was or if I was, or if that's just what he told me, but I wasn't perfect that much. I know, like I I had some things to be sorry for. And I always did apologize. That's one thing I'm sure he knows that like, I was sorry. And I tried my best. And I would say like, you know, just looking back on my experience in that, you know, I think there's like no need to rush, like figuring out like your part in the whole thing, Mm -hmm. because I think just being open-minded to potentially having a part in the situation, like it'll come to you when it's supposed to come. I mean, mine was like a year later, it literally hit me like a ton of bricks, like how I was feeding into the whole thing and like how my beliefs about myself fed into the whole thing. Yeah. And so that's what I tell people is like this whole thing of like, it's just really hard to identify where you went wrong in the relationship in the beginning, because it's just, it's pretty much impossible not to beat yourself up. But like once some Mm -hmm. time has passed and you're like kind of back up on your feet and you're like healing, then it can come to you as like, productive reflection. And like, yeah, I was journaling one day and I was like, I was super sick in that. Like, you know, just like mentally and spiritually, like there were just so many things that I was kind of dealing with and I was feeding Mm -hmm. into the whole thing. So that's what I tell people is like, try not to rush that part so much. I mean, if you're walking through life thinking that you've done nothing wrong, that's another story. But if you're like, I'm open to hearing how I can do better in future relationships, like you will get the right answers at the right time. That's at least my belief. That's really reassuring. That is very reassuring because I sometimes I feel like the I already have not have it all figured out, but I feel like I've already like learned what I need to learn about like myself in terms of the relationship. But like, it's not true. Like there's so much more that I'm going to discover over time and I do want to have like that aha moment where I'm just like, okay, this is what I did. 
because I still don't think I see it clear enough because the lines are so blurred between like what he told me and my truth. And I just don't really know the in between on like what was the role that I played. And it's kind of hard not knowing because it gives me a little bit of guilt because I'm so mad at him sometimes and so upset. It gives me some guilt that I'm like, I know I must have hurt him in ways that I probably am not aware of because I don't think he's even aware of the ways he hurt me because I didn't even know it at the time. So I never expressed it. I never said, hey, you shouldn't say this to me. You shouldn't, you know what I mean? I never held him accountable for the things he said or did. And he probably might not even know. And he might realize in two years, you know? And that's why exes come back around and they send you a a message on Facebook three years later apologizing, you know? But I'm not going to wait for that because I can't because I'll be waiting for something that's probably never going to happen. And I think that that's what I'm dealing with right now is forgiving him and forgiving myself. And that is what's hard. That's the thing that makes me cry every now and I barely cry over it anymore. But if if I'm going to shed some tears, it'll be about that, like just not forgiving myself and him. Yeah. And I think I've always found that forgiving myself is the harder part of anything like that, especially if you're someone that, you know, does go to therapy and like does all these things and you think like, I should know better or or like something Mm -hmm. like that, where it's like, you know what you know when you know it. It's like, you don't know what you don't know. I think that's such a big part. And I loved what you said too about compatibility. So many things in a breakup are just about compatibility. Like it doesn't necessarily Mm -hmm. have to mean that someone is a bad, like there's not a bad person and a good person, a right person and a wrong person. Like most of the time, it just comes down to the fact that like one person's looking for something. Yeah. The other person is looking for something else. They're not matching up. And so it just doesn't work. And so I think we get really focused in on like who's right, who's wrong, who's bad, who's good. And really, it's just a matter of of that. And I think, you know, we learn lessons when we're supposed to learn mm-hmm. them. It could be years down the road. It could be months down the road. It's just we never we never quite know. But I think just having like that, like what we talked about, just having that like open mind to, yeah, I don't know. I don't know at all. Like I, and I can always be learning and, you know, you've had that attitude in that way. And, you know, you've sought out the help from friends and therapy. And I think that's the most important thing we can do when we're going through a breakup. Mm-hmm. And it's hard sometimes to be like vulnerable like that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this whole process is like, makes you feel completely raw, like just a raw nerve exposed and having to, to say like, I'm hurting, I'm not doing well, I need help in this area. And aside from therapy, like what were, what were like your top like actions or rituals that you did on kind of a daily basis that really helped you get to the place you are now? A lot of your podcast. <laughs> I would scroll through your podcast and be like, hmm, what resonates? And I would listen to those while I was cooking because I couldn't sit and think for too long. So I would listen to your podcast and like it helps so much. So thank you for that. <laughs> I did a few things. So I'm a full-time like YouTuber. So I don't have like a job that I go to. So I actually ended up getting a job for fun because I couldn't be home. So I I worked at a smoothie shop (laughs) and my life was hell. I didn't like the smoothie shop, but it distracted me for hours a day. So I did that. I started walking a lot, a lot. Listen to audiobooks while walking or your podcast or whoever's podcast. And I started doing that. I started seeing my friends more often because I realized that 
I didn't become the friend that like shuts everyone out during a relationship, but I definitely like gave a lot of my time to him. 60% was given to him. 40% was divided amongst my friends. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't the healthiest journaling. I know you mentioned that a lot in your episodes. Journaling is so helpful, like to be able to go back, even just to go back and see the progress. It motivates you to just keep working on yourself. That helped me. Meditation, creating content. I learned how to sew. I'm bad at it, but I learned how to do it. (laughs) Haven't made anything worth wearing yet, but I still learned. And then when summer hit, because like I said, I live in Canada. So like the weather did not get hot until June. Like it was cold. And when summer hit, I started going out. I went on a date. And yeah, I was just like super open. And like people have been telling me like you seem more open. You seem more happy. You seem more yourself. And like I am. I don't know. Like something about that relationship when it ended, I just like really did so much work on myself that I finally had a place where like I actually love myself. And like I never really felt this intense of a self-love before. And it feels good. But I also know that like I did the work. I did the work to get here. And I'm very proud of myself for that. And I think the breakup definitely like triggered a lot of that, which I'm grateful for. I think that's one of the best blessings that can come out of a breakup is it like really Mm -hmm. just turns our attention inward because it's like, it's just so easy to like care for other people and like put our attention towards other people. But when we're like dying from a breakup, we're like, oh, I got to put it all here. (laughs) You know, that's like the only Yeah, I have no choice. I like have to just make myself be able to survive. So I love that. And then my last question for you is if you could go back to maybe that like week when you were kind of mourning the relationship or just like if you think about your lowest point after the breakup, if you could go back to that version of you and tell her something, what would you tell her? First of all, she would not listen. (laughs) She would not listen. But if I did decide to go back and tell her, tell me, oh, I don't even know. Because I was so low. I felt like I was dying. I felt like I was, it was, it was hell. Breakups suck. So I think I would have told myself healing is not linear, that you're going to feel good and you're going to feel bad and you need to enjoy the good. Where like, just don't like, feel bad about the good moments and just like enjoy those rather than like waiting for the badness to hit again. Cause I would tend to be like, I feel too good right now. This is suspicious. When am I going to cry? You know? So I would remind myself that healing is not linear. It's like, it's all over the place. It's a roller coaster of emotions. And I would also tell myself that time heals everything. Time heals everything. Everybody was telling me that my mom, my aunt, my cousins, everybody. And it just doesn't feel like it. It feels like you're going to hurt forever ever it feels like it's never gonna feel normal and then two months later you're like oh okay i kind of feel like a human again three months you're like well okay i'm smiling and then five months in you're just like like feeling good and feeling great and it's no pain lasts forever it's cheesy but it's true like it will actually go away with time or like at least like really lighten the pain will lessen over time i love that that's so beautiful Well, you are amazing, Ashley. Thank you so much for sharing your story and, you know, getting vulnerable on here. And I'm very excited for what, you know, the next year has has in store for you. So thank Thank you so much again. Of course. And thank you so much for having me. I'm really grateful to be able to have shared my experience on this. And I hope that if anyone's listening, they get some like reassurance on like, they're not alone. People are going through it, you know, and I'm really excited that you're doing this. I can't even I can't wait to hear the other people's stories. It's so cool what you're doing. So thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you.
I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you loved it, I hope you'll leave a review and share with your friends. If you're not already following me on Instagram, head to at your breakup bestie where I'm sharing new content almost every day. To join our Facebook group, Healing Hearts Club, where you can connect with thousands of people from all over the world going through breakups, head to the link in the show notes. And don't forget to check out my online courses for more in-depth help through your healing journey. I always end these episodes the same way, reminding you to be nice to yourself, stay connected with loved ones, and the biggest reminder is that this too shall pass. I promise. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.